0: Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of vanityfair.com, and I'm here with our whole crew. We have our digital director, Mike Hogan. Hey, Katie. Our film critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. And our senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Hi, Katie. It is Oscar week, and lucky us, we are not starving ourselves or having multiple meetings with our stylists because we are not nominated for Oscars. We just get to talk about them, and this is the first of two episodes we'll have this week where we are predicting who's going to win, finally.
1: I should be starving myself. Can I use this as a plug Yeah, <laughs> for the live stream on the red carpet at the Oscar party with Kat Sadler, who actually knows what she's doing? Anyway, I'm going yep. to be
2: 10 pounds overweight because that that's, that's my condition in life. Mike is still continuing his transition to on-air talent, which has long
1: been his dream.
0: <laughs> I think you just have to talk a lot about how you scarfed an In-N-Out burger on the way to the event because that's usually what they say.
1: That's right, okay. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there. Onward. I'm
0: sure your skin looks flawless. So on this episode, we are going to do the first half of our predictions. We're going to start with some of the smaller categories. So then we'll move on to the acting categories and talk about best actor and best supporting actors as well as best director, just so you know, you get some of the big ones. And then later this week, we will finish out the rest of them. And we're going to kick things off with the shorts, which we talked about in last week's episode. So hopefully you're all very familiar with them. Guys, we talked about the animated shorts and which one of them horrified us and Kobe Bryant and all the rest. But uh, what do you guys think is actually going to win? I'll start with Richard. Well,
2: um, I think that, you know, because it's been high on Gold Derby and people are dumb, let's just say it. I think Dear Basketball is going to win. <laughs> and it's a big celebrity. And, you know, there's kind of a novelty to that. I don't think it should. It was actually maybe my least favorite of the five. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going with.
3: Does that mean you agree, Mike? I mean, you're
1: probably right, but I just, I don't know. I put it last on my gold derby picks just to try to correct the record here. Um,
0: Like your preferential ballot? I
1: am really pulling for garden party and hoping that maybe like a, you know, the reformed academy that we have come to love in the last two uh, years will not commit this error, but... They probably will, I guess.
0: I liked your theory, Mike, about Hollywood wanting to vote for itself and therefore voting for Garden Party because it was set in a Bel Air mansion. Uh, But I also went with the Gold Derby masses and picked your basketball. I think because we talked about last week, there's a legendary animator from Disney who made it and then also the John Williams score. It seems to kind of have the like everyone you know in Hollywood power behind it, which seems to win in some of these smaller categories. Joanna, how about you?
3: I'm going to stick with Garden Party as well. Because huh. my uh, my attitude for these prediction episodes is like I probably won't be right a lot of things. But I'm gonna vote my heart. So here we go.
0: <laughs> Get
3: ready. <laughs> I think that is a wise. Get ready for we a lot need, of wrong answers.
1: <laughs> we should publish the Joanna's Heart predictions uh, ballot.
2: It sounds like a, a lifetime movie from the '90s. Joanna's Heart. <laughs> Meredith
1: Baxter, Burney and
2: Joanna's Heart. That's
1: actually going to be a documentary short next
2: year. Right?
3: Exactly.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Joanna, what is your heart telling you for the live action short film?
3: Um, I'm going to go with All of Us, Ah, uh, which, uh, you know, we talked last week about it having the most complete arc of all the live action shorts we saw.
0: I, I agree that it has a pretty a complete arc. I want to go in with DeKalb Elementary since, as we talked about last week, it's got like a lot of power behind it in kind of a, a small package. And I, I like, it's really hard to predict this category, especially a lot of weird ones win, but it seems just like artsy enough and fully realized to win.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm torn between those two specifically, but I'm actually going to go with Joanna on this. I think that All of Us has, like she said, the arc and a political dimension. And a lot of times this is a category where a foreign film will win. So I think that 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 could
3: happen.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's true. And Mike?
1: I think that DeKalb Elementary, given the connection to the Parkland shooting now, will win and will be a very worthy winner. But I, I really liked All of Us as well. I think those are the two strongest.
0: There's some good ones in this category. Okay, the final short category, the documentary. Uh, Mike, you go first. What are you you going with?
1: I am, you know what? I'm torn on this. I am going to go with the crowd here and say Edith and Eddie, but I do think that Joanna's point last episode is true, that if people start to look into it a little bit, they may feel slightly manipulated by this film just because it's not necessarily showing every side of the issue. But on the other hand, I feel like it's probably on the right side of the issue. And, it, and it's certainly very moving. And I think emotionally moving is ultimately going to be more effective than, you know, scrupulously even handed. So I think Edith and Eddie, th- that's my pick.
3: Hmm. Uh, Joanna, how about you? Joanna's Heart votes for Heroin, which I think we all agreed was the one we liked the best. I think it's not the sentimental favorite, but it's got my heart. Uh, I went with my heart on that one too. And I feel like because it's a Netflix movie, it's really accessible
0: and Netflix won last year. So that might give it some kind of boost going on, I guess. Uh, Richard, and you?
2: I'm just going to make a wild prediction and say that because the Academy is very navel-gazy and the term 405, a Los Angeles freeway is in there, (laughs) that they're just going to vote for Heaven as a traffic jam on the 405.
3: (laughs) They're like, I too have been in a traffic jam on the
2: right,
3: exactly. <laughs> I make art.
1: but truthfully, yeah, it, it is also about a creative mm-hmm. person's struggles over personal obstacles which probably a lot of Academy members can relate to. So I think that that could uh, and maybe
2: some Academy members went to that show. It was in Los Angeles the uh, the gallery show yeah. you know I don't know yeah,
1: you guys are shaking my my uh, sort of cynical confidence here, which is good.
0: Yeah, I think you know. Less cynicism. This is the time to, like Joanna said, go with your heart.
1: Mike's heart is going to be a documentary (laughs) short in two years. It's going to be thirty seconds long and just a blank screen.
0: Okay. uh, So let's get into the feature films. So we're going to start with the visual effects category, which I think is always kind of interesting because it's got a really strange mix of movies every year. You get a lot of blockbusters in here. So we've got Blade Runner 2049, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Kong, Skull Island, Star Wars Last Jedi, and War for the Planet of the Apes, none of which are Best Picture nominees. So does anyone feel like they have an
3: inside track on what's actually going to win here? Apes is tearing up Gold Derby, right? Like that's what everyone thinks is going to win.
1: I all think right. it will win. And the reason is that it hasn't won the other two times but was very much favored and people in that world just believe that the uh, the VFX on it are are miles ahead of pretty much anything else, including the previous ones, which probably should have won. And so there's the kind of Andy Circus like well done, thank you for the trilogy aspect going on here as well. I think it's probably gonna win.
3: Andy Circus, you were really good at Black Panther. <laughs> Here's the yeah. <laughs> other film.
2: <laughs> and the effects in apes. Are really amazing. I mean, they really yeah. are crazy. Like they're, they're such a centerpiece of the film. Whereas I feel like for the other four, yes, special effects are in probably every shot, but they're not the focus in the same way that they are in Apes. So I feel like, you know, the, the tech, the technicians and the craftsmen in that branch of the Academy sh- for sure will vote for it, and then I think maybe others will follow suit. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick that too.
3: Um, I'm my, Joanna's heart is going with Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, mm. because. It, it, like both because of my heart, and I haven't seen Apes yet, and also because I think it's possible that Blade Runner like gets a few of these. Gosh, that film looks really good. Oscars, which we'll talk about another one soon. Well,
1: it's true; it has five nominations, right? So, it uh, by that logic, it makes sense for it to win. If it, you know, but but uh, it does seem like maybe a special case this year with the end of a trilogy.
0: Yeah, I think we'll we'll talk about Blade Runner 2049 uh, later in the other categories it's nominated in. So I feel like it's nominated enough other places that maybe they can finally go with War for the Planet of the Apes. And also the other major Andy Serkis trilogy, Lord of the Rings movies, it finally won Best Picture on its third go-round. So why not let that be your president, <laughs> for lack of anything else. Next one is film editing, which is also an interesting technical category because I think as we talked about a lot of times, uh, there is this track record for a long time where you couldn't win Best Picture without winning or without being nominated for the Best Editing Oscar. And I believe Birdman was the one that broke that streak because Birdman looked like it was one uh, complete shot. Uh, so there's some Best Picture nominees, some not. We have Baby Driver, Dunkirk, I, Tonya, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I think my main question is, if Three Billboards wins editing, will we all? flip over a table?
2: Yeah. I'll put up 3 billboards outside the <laughs> Dolby Theater. The theater. <laughs> yeah. How could Dunkirk not win this? I mean, it's all editing, that movie. I mean, all movies are all editing, but like that one in particular.
0: <laughs> I feel like if we're going with Daniel Joyo's theory that Dunkirk is a still favorite, like this would be something to watch early in the night. Like if Dunkirk wins, if Dunkirk doesn't win, it feels like maybe it's not going to do that Best Picture run, but if it, it seems like it should, I'm kind of betting on Baby Driver as a surprise here. It keeps kind of popping up in technical categories and it does have pretty showy editing like Dunkirk. Um, I'm not really doing that off of anything but a hunch, but it feels like it could happen well, to
1: Well, it me. won the, the bathroom, right? I mean, it keeps... It- it has shown that it has strength. And by the way, you know, winning the BAFTA over Dunkirk in the UK yeah, is something.
3: That's... Well, it's Edgar Wright versus Chris Nolan, like two two favored sons of, of the UK. And I, but I do think like we talked about this before in terms of like campaigning. I see Edgar Wright at every single event and I see Chris Nolan at every single event too, but like sort of a little bit more. Uh, begrudgingly not like not like he doesn't want to be there but like and i say as if i were in the room but like you know it's like chris nolan is doing this he's he's like pleased to be there where edgar Wright's like i really want this uh, that's my sense of those two people
0: i mean it's exciting the baby driver got nominated at all it was a hit but you know not like something so gigantic so i like seeing it there
2: do you think the kevin spacey factor affects it at all
0: i mean uh, kind of yeah. yeah i do a little bit a little, a little bit a
2: little, little bit of
1: a tank i
0: kind of forget he's in it so wait, Mike and Joanna, what are, your, what are
3: your final picks?
1: I think Dunkirk.
3: I am also picking Dunkirk. And I just want to go back in time really quickly and say uh, three billboards outside the Dolby Theater is something that Jimmy Kimmel should consider for an Oscar bit.
0: I feel like if there's not an Oscar bit of three billboards somewhere that Jimmy Kimmel should be fired. Well, it failed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I said we talk about Blade Runner twenty forty nine again. It's here in production design. Uh, it's up against Beauty and the Beast, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, and The Shape of Water. Uh, I was surprised by how much Gold Derby consensus there was for Shape of Water. Here is that just because it got the most nominations, and we figure for lack of another big contender, they'll just automatically go for it.
3: Um, I I put the Shape of Water because, like, as you know, I wasn't hugely fond of that film, but I think it was. I mean, maybe unless I don't understand what the production design category is rewarding, but, like, I do think it could earn a production design Oscar. What do you think?
1: Isn't production design what's driving all of the excitement around The Shape of Water, uh, ultimately? I mean, it's basically, like, a beautiful love story and absolutely meticulously, gorgeously designed in every aspect. Yeah.
3: That whole thing where people are like, this is a fairy tale. The only reason they think it's like a fairy tale is because they took this sort of dreary science lab and and like via production design made it look magical. I mean, I agree with that, even though the film itself didn't land with me.
0: Or even think of the apartments, you know, the, the opening sequence where the apartment is flooded with water and then you get Sally Hawkins and Richard Jenkins and the movie theater below it, which I know is a real Toronto movie theater. It, I, I think you're dead on, Joanna, that it's the, the fairy tale enveloping quality of the movie is because of that so are we are we all unanimous on this the first well, one
2: also the production designer uh, paul osterberry you know was obviously famously in 2010 robbed for doing the production design of the twilight saga eclipse so
0: <laughs> i feel like this is long overdue all right that's our first uh everyone agrees what's going to win Let's see if we can do it again on cinematography. Uh, We have Blade Runner 2049 here again, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Mudbound, and The Shape of Water. Um, And then I think the two notes said a lot of people know Blade Runner 2049 is Roger Deakins, who has been nominated for, I believe, 14 Oscars now and never won. Uh, And then for Mudbound, you have Rachel Morrison, who's the first woman ever nominated in this category. So two opportunities to make history. I went with Roger Deakins. Where are you guys?
1: It, it, it's just it's going to be sick if they don't give it to Roger Deakins. Like, enough already.
3: We say that every time.
1: <laughs> this time they have to do it.
3: I've also put Deakins. I'm worried that it's going to go to the uh, Shape of Water DP. Oh. But I would love for it to go to Deakins. I think, you know, he has both earned it in that film and in his long career. Rachel Morrison would be kind of a fun upset. and She does have momentum having uh, shot Black Panther. So...
1: I, they're all great-looking films. I mean, I'm going to even say The Darkest Hour has wonderful cinematography. Yeah. Um, all all five of them are, are fabulous-looking, but I, I don't know. It, it Blade Runner, you know, I just feel like he's got such a showpiece in that crazy Elvis casino scene mm. that— um, Oh, yeah. And, and the fact that he recreates— the original and updates it so much and kind of brings its life in a new way. I, I think that that's, that's worth celebrating and, and they do like to do a lifetime thing eventually, usually.
2: Yeah, and it's also, I mean, more than some of his other films, I mean, you know, it's this two-hour, 40-minute just ode to his cinematography. I mean, the yeah. whole movie mm-hmm. is just a showcase for that. And so I feel like because that movie, in a weird way, didn't like do that well at the box office and wasn't really beloved, but it still has all the, these nominations for its aesthetics, it means that people really like its aesthetics. Yeah. So I just think that's, I think, I think he'll win. Yeah.
0: It is crazy to me that we're looking at Dunkirk here and being like, oh, 70 millimeter cameras in the air and in the ocean. That's fine. Like That movie is so visually stunning, but it just kind <laughs> of got edged out of the hype conversation.
3: We'll get to it. We'll get to it
1: how many people did see it in 70 millimeter? I mean, not to say that that's, I don't know, you know, maybe everyone in the, you you
0: watched on your Apple watch, right? I did. (laughs) It's surprisingly good. Um, okay. Costume design. You can watch it on the subway. Just feel the, the claustrophobia is right there. Christopher
2: Nolan just passed out somewhere. (laughs) at the the even the suggestion.
3: Okay. Speaking of speaking of flipping tables, <laughs> if Shape of Water if anything other than Phantom Thread wins costume design, I'll be flipping a lot of tables stylishly. As stylishly as possible.
0: So, yeah. So, so it's up against Beauty and the Beast, Darkest Hour, The Shape of Water, and Victoria and Abdul. And uh, I think we said The Shape of Water won at the um, Costume Design Guild, which was crazy. I agree with you, Joanna, that Phantom Thread's gonna kind of win out here. Do you, are Richard and Mike, where are you guys?
2: Again, if people are counting the monster suit as a costume, which <laughs> yeah. it, it is a costume. But no, I, f- I feel like Phantom Thread is the front runner for sure. And it's maybe the movie's best chance of winning for anything it's nominated for. So I'm going to go with that.
1: I have it down too, but I just, I do think it might be caviar for the general here. You know, it may be that people are just like, but the monster suit. (laughs) I don't know. It's very
0: shiny. Um, I think if Phantom Friend hadn't gotten that best picture nomination, I might be more skeptical about it just being seen by people, but it does seem like people saw it and are paying attention to it. And I think if you see this movie, you can't not think about the costumes in it. So that would be nice. Guys, that's three uh, categories of consensus in a row. Whoa. I got to start.
3: I got to get my Maverick
0: static
1: We're getting boring.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm not sure this
3: next one is where you want to do
0: that. We're on makeup and hairstyling where there's only three nominees. And I've never – I don't really know why there's only ever three nominees in makeup and hairstyling, but it's interesting. Uh, So we have Darkest Hour, Victoria, and Abdul, and Wonder. One of them is a Best Picture nominee with a whole lot of makeup in it. I, I just don't see how Darkest
3: Hour doesn't well, win. And, have, a, and
1: a Best Actor lock um, for yeah, the person wearing yeah. the most makeup.
3: I have a question yes. about this. Um, I I feel like I haven't done my homework when I say this, but I didn't see Victoria and Abdul. Do you know why it's nominated in this category?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think they did some stuff to Dench to make her a little more rotund.
3: Oh. Okay, so for padding, this is so weird. <laughs>
2: well, I think her face too. I don't really know because I don't really know.
3: Because like the Wonder and Darkest Hour, those are like really extreme sort of facial prosthetics. And last year, Suicide Squad won this uh, category, I believe.
1: Well, I think to make Judy Dench look like a twelve-year-old Indian child is very impressive.
3: You're right. I was blown away. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) Politically (laughs) dubious, but (laughs) but yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's Darkest Hour. Obviously,
0: I will say again. Just I, I'm the one who saw Wonder. I think Uh, that movie's delightful. Makeup's good. Go see Wonder if you want to just feel better about people, which is not what you can say for a lot of these nominees. All right, guys, we're moving into the acting categories, which we have been talking about a lot for many months now. And there's a sense that a lot of these are really locked in uh, after the BAFTA wins and kind of a series
3: of wins for all these people. But Joanna, I hear you're going rogue and supporting actress. I am. I'm going to revert to, you know, our feelings of before and say Laurie Metcalf. I'm voting my heart. I don't know. I think it might be more – I mean, like, we all feel like we know who's going to win. So it might be more suspenseful and rewarding for me to just vote for who I hope and then deal with a crushing disappointment with, like, alcohol or whatever. So.
0: (laughs) I mean, I feel like this is, like, unless you're putting money on it, like, why not go with
3: your heart? I mean, if you're filling out your Oscar ballot for, like, a betting pool and you want to win – Go with Janny. but like if you if you want to vote with your heart, look into your heart. You know it's Laurie Metcalf. So there
2: you go. And Katie, Joanna's in for twenty large on this thing. Like she's this is, <laughs> this, is, this, is
3: this is serious for her,
2: or, or for Bitcoin,
1: <laughs> the larger. <laughs> You're spending
0: the Oscars in Vegas, Joanna. Richard, can you make the case for like why it is that Alice and Janie seems seem to have walked away with this whole thing? Even though I know you're not a fan of the performance, I feel like it's a uh, like we've just seen the breadcrumbs. Yeah,
2: people love her. She has 7 Emmys. Like she's just beloved in the industry. She's you know, she's I mean, and Laurie Metcalf has two, but like she doesn't work as consistently as Janie does. And so Janie's just around. She knows everybody, I think. Um and I think at this point also there's not to like imagine the psychology of an academy voter, although that's what kind of what we do all the time. Like at this point, she's won so many other awards. They've seen her on so many other stages that they're like, oh yeah, her, she's winning, right? So they just kind of go with it, you know? Or I yeah. guess the other thing could be people assume she's gonna win and so they vote for their, they vote like Joanna with their heart and then that, that kind of changes things. But I think there's pretty much no way Jandy doesn't win this.
1: It's just a more accessible, not accessible, it's like a bright shining object of a performance yeah. whereas Laurie Metcalf's is, is very subtle. I think Laurie Metcalf's is more recognizably human um and and Alison Janney's is more of a kind of a caricature, but it's it's quite a sort of great jumps off the screen caricature, you know. Whereas Laurie Metcalf is playing like a very difficult, complex person, and and she's believable, but it's not it's not that kind of like wow, did you see Laurie Metcalf and and Lady Bird? You know, I I, I feel yeah. like that's kind of what happened with these two yeah. performances.
3: I've heard this reaction that people think the mother character in Lady Bird is not a believable character, um, which is not what you said, Mike, but like and that, I mean, I don't want to get too personal on this Oscar predictions podcast, but like, <laughs> <laughs> given my relationship with my own mother, like that was a very familiar human to me and to a lot of people, But but there's Also, this other side, you know, the other half of this world that has never encountered a woman quite like that who expresses her love in these very like difficult ways. And, um, and so I I have heard from some very smart people that they're like, I just didn't get it. Um, and, and, yeah. And can I just maybe
1: try one more thought on this? Yeah. It's, it's so intense. It's sort of un- it's unsettling and disturbing in a way that you don't doesn't necessarily make you want to celebrate th- what Laurie Metcalf does, which is very honestly, realistically portray like a very complex, ultimately problematic mom. And the version that Alison Janney does is sitcom enough that you're kind of like, OK, I mean, that's a crazy character, but at least I- at least it wasn't like disturbing the essence of my core you know, right. and, and therefore it's a little easier to celebrate. I don't know. That's a thought.
0: Yeah. And I, yeah. when colorful villains win, like in the in the men's sporting category, colorful villains win all the time and they're rarer for women, but it's the kind of thing that that's well, like kind of the definition of a scene-stealing performance.
1: That's such a more succinct way of putting everything <laughs> I was trying. To
3: explain, <laughs> no, I think you're getting into psychology well though, Mike. No, I think Mike makes a really good point in terms of like disturbing. Like I don't, I don't know. I find what Laurie Metcalf does in Lady Bird. So, like, I think disturbing is the right word, but not quite for the same reason that Mike says. It's, it's like, it's so familiar to me that it's unsettling to me that someone else has met this woman. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, how did you get in my head? That's the unsettling part to me is I was like, Oh, I thought this was a unique experience. And I've, you know, a lot of people go to Lady Bird. They're like, Oh, I, how did Greta Gerwig sort of translate my life into her film? But, um, that's Joanna, cool. I'm yeah,
2: going to stop you there because as your producer, you're spoiling the plot of Joanna's heart.
0: And I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm never going to win that Oscar. Cut this out. All
3: right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, let's go on then to Best Actor, which... We have also debated for a long time. There was a genuine surprise in this category, I think, when Denzel Washington got nominated. Uh, But I don't think anyone thinks he's going to win. And uh, as we've said a couple times, it kind of felt like Gary Oldman might lose this at some point. But he has been the front runner since Telluride. And it's all signs point to him winning, right?
3: I'm, I mean. Are you going with your heart? I am. I'm voting. I'm Team Timothy. So there you go. I mean, it's not impossible. (laughs) I
0: don't.
2: Joanna, they're going to break your legs when, <laughs> when they have to collect their money. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I mean, I would love Timothy to win. And there, you're right, Katie, that there, did, there was a weird moment kind of like, I don't know, like around the new year where like it felt like maybe the wind was changing, but it... it,
0: it around the time that James Franco, I think, fell out of the race because of uh, allegations against him.
2: Yeah, and now it's just... It's clearly not. So I think it's pretty much a done deal.
1: And
0: And, and look, at the risk
1: of... I mean, there's clearly, there's some personal history stuff with Gary Oldman that is that is disturbing and not great. But if it's possible to set that aside, and I don't know that it really is, but this is probably similar to Roger Deakins, a career award. And it's not just for this quite phenomenal uh, performance, but it's also for Sid and Nancy and it's for Bram Stoker's Dracula and it's for true romance and it's for Basquiat and it's for a lot of really, really incredible performances. This is a guy who has had a hell of a career. Uh, The Dark Knight, you know, he's, he's a phenomenal actor Whatever else he may be. And so, you know, I think that that's what's
2: that's what's coming into play here. And Timothy Chalamet is going to have presumably more chance. He's a 12 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, and <laughs> this is only Gary Oldman's second nomination, which is crazy. Yeah. So, like, yeah. yeah, I think that you're right in terms of a career defining thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's, like, low on the list of concerns in Hollywood right now, but I always worry when someone gets something like a career win that it feels like it's kind of for a lesser performance. And that happens a lot of times, too. Like, you see, like, Kate Winslet winning for The Reader. No one thinks that's one of her greats. But I do think he is really good in Darkest Hour. And the fact that it got a Best best Picture nomination, like, there, there's a power to that movie. And, you know, it's okay if he's not, like, the most exciting win for anybody. But I I am. I feel good about that performance being rewarded as a performance, and then you can get into what he may or may not have done in his personal life.
1: He's really good, and he's way out of type too. I think. By the way, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, another one. Um, I mean, and that's a, there is no real type for him, but uh, but but they uh, often menacing and there's something menacing about his churchill but ultimately he's like the hero who saved us all from the nazis right so yeah. um yeah
0: and the the clips that you see from this are like him bellowing like you cannot negotiate with a tiger when your head is in its mouth but there's these great quiet movi- moments in the movie like he gets on the phone with franklin roosevelt and kind of begs him for help and you see this like doubt creeping into his face and it's all it's very quiet and there's so much range in the performance there that's really hard to get the sense of when you're just seeing kind of tv ads for it
1: and and politically oddly i think i mean not that there there are that many conservatives in the academy? But conservatives and liberals can sort of put their vote in. Like, if only we had a Churchill. You know now, yeah. right. right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think everyone's yearning for this kind of leadership. As scary as it is, when you see what it really may have amounted to in, in in real life, how surrounded he was, we we look at it back. I mean, that's what I do really like about the film. We look back at this as like, oh, this monolithic moment in time where everything was inevitable, and it was far from inevitable, and he was far from a perfect vessel for anything. Um, so, I, I think that for all those reasons, I mean, I think it's it's. I, I'm not going to be sorry to see this this win.
0: I also do think that there are like if Timothy Chalamet were to win, like given how young he is, I I feel like that could be a really difficult thing for him to navigate in his career. Like we've seen what happened a lot. It happens more with women that you you win an Oscar really young and then it's hard for you to kind of match that. So I feel like even he should maybe be glad to be nominated and not win just to give himself a little bit more room to breathe in the rest of his career. Uh, All right. So let's wrap let's wrap up this first half of our Oscar predictions by talking about best director, which is another category that we felt like was wide open for a long time. And then it seems like Guillermo del Toro has really run away with it. Um, is this all Shape of Water love? Is it all Guillermo love? Like who wants to who wants to make the case for why Guillermo del Toro seems to have this locked up for us?
2: Because he's somebody who is respected in the industry even if he kind of delivers a turkey here you know here and there and you know doesn't follow through on big projects that he you know talks about and interviews and stuff like that i think that there is a lot of love for for del toro and finally there is a movie that he's made that is broadly accessible to a wide range of people you know pan's labyrinth Unfortunately, it's not in English, so like it didn't, you know, it couldn't couldn't connect to as many people in the academy as it needed to, or whatever. And
0: deeply disturbing,
2: too. Deeply disturbing. (laughs) And Shape of Water is, while actually pretty violent, much more violent than the sort of like fairy tale aspect, you know, gets spoken about. um, It, you know, it has a sweet ending, and it's 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 a warm movie, um, and so I think people who have been itching to give him something, to give him that recognition, will we'll do it here.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things, when, when we had Rebecca on last week to talk about her piece about the 98 Oscars, an anecdote that stuck out to me is that uh, James Cameron had gotten in a fight with Harvey Weinstein during a commercial break at the Oscars to, uh, to defend Guillermo del Toro, who at the time had made Mimic for the Weinstein Company and was treated pretty badly. And that said a lot to me about not just that he's beloved now, but he's been in this industry for a long time and making films and working with a lot of people. And we've seen that power in a lot of different ad- Oscar categories over the year where people want to work with the person who they like or want to vote for the person who they like. And then when it happens to be beloved movie like Shape of Water too, it really works out.
1: I think it's a career award for basically Pacific Rim. <laughs> My personal. Pacific yeah. Room
3: 2 is coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I once saw uh, Guillermo and Ryan Gosling in conversation at South by, and the way in which Ryan Gosling just like revered Guillermo, and the way in which you talk, you know, like Guillermo has this super weird mansion that he lives in that has like waterfalls in it and all sorts of stuff like that. And he's one of those directors that just like all directors love movies, but he like loves movies of every kind. And, uh, I think it is just one of those things where other people in the industry look at him and say, like, this is someone who just, like, is in it for the right reasons, is in it for the passion, is not in it for, like, the glitz and the glamour and the fame. And also Guillermo's story of, like, how Shape of Water came about was because he, like, got drunk at a post-Oscars party and approached Sally Hawkins and was like, gonna make a movie for you. I mean, it's it that is, like, charming in and above, like, you know, the ways in which the actual movie didn't work for me, so –
1: well, and also if you're if you're a creative person, which uh, just about everybody in the academy is, the holistic vision that he brings and the and his ability to bring that to every aspect of the film is obviously going to be inspiring and sort of sort of i think awe inspiring yeah. really that yeah. that it's it's so clearly like his thing
0: would any of us dare pick a spoiler like does does it seem possible for someone else to sneak in here?
2: I mean, I guess Nolan, but like there's just something about Nolan that like The Academy just seems really cool on, you know, maybe it's because he's kind of a cool person, but, um, or seems so anyway, but I guess that would be the only other option, right? I mean, I would love it if Jordan Peele were seriously in the race, but I don't know that he is.
0: Yeah. I I feel like with Jordan Peele, it's kind of similar to Timothy Chalamet. Like you want to like getting the nomination is an enormous accomplishment for your first feature and winning kind of puts a target on your back that I don't think anyone would want. Not that he doesn't deserve it, but it just, it does seem like the nomination is a gigantic reward in itself.
1: I kind of think if anyone wins it, it could be Jordan Peele, because I think that the crowd that's voting for Guillermo is it would be the similar crowd to the one that's going to vote for Christopher Nolan. But I don't know um, that that's my and that's maybe a little spoiler of my one interesting pick in this whole thing, which is best picture at this point.
3: Ooh
0: speaking of which we'll get to best picture in this week's second episode which you'll be able to find in your feed on Thursday uh, so we'll be back with that in the meantime you can find us all at VanityFair.com, where our Oscar predictions will all be online you can see the official vanity fair line of what you should actually put your 20 grand bet on in Vegas to be like Joanna Robinson please keep tweeting at us at little gold men we love hearing from you and we're all on our own I'm at Katie Rich Mike Mike underscore Hogan and Richard Laws. and Joanna Joe This episode was edited and produced by Danielle Roth. And this week's award for the best start to a 2019 Oscar campaign goes to...
3: Joanna's heart. My heart. Joanna's heart. It's got my heart. My heart. I'm voting my heart.